Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 240. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman to discuss the latest trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as well as the big game spot for Marvel Studios Moon Knight premiering on Disney Plus on March 30th. Before we start talking about the latest trailers and big game spot, I want to let you know about Fan Show Plus. Fanshow Plus is a podcast that is exclusive for premium subscribers, whether that's on patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for Fanshow Plus or the MCU Fanshow channel on Apple Podcasts, you can find it there. And lately, we've had a whole lot of spoiler reviews for both The Book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker. So make sure you check that out and follow us in all those places you can. We are at MCU Fanshow on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to all of you who've already taken the time to do so. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? Man, I am doing really well. It's um, Spring is coming, Sean. And, uh, yesterday on, uh, yesterday, but Saturday I had, uh, woke up and, you know, bright and early, like we, like me and you always do. Cause we don't get sleep. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm awake. And all of a sudden I hear birds like chirping. And I went, no effing way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, and honestly, I say all that to say, that just means we're closer to some big Marvel stuff coming out, man. So, I mean, the spring comes, it's going to start getting really crazy. So I'm, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm getting giddy. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been well, not that bad, right? Because I've been enjoying the book of Boba Fett for mm-hmm. the most part. Uh, you know, some <laughs> things here and there. Check out Fan Show Plus, um, yeah. but also loving Peacemaker on yeah. HBO Max. So check out Fan Show Plus. There's been good stuff to enjoy, but yeah, the MCU is kind of the the be all end all of pop culture for me. At least it's my favorite and. Yeah, I've been feeling it. The absence of new MCU. I mean, we've got the Marvel Studios Assembled episodes for Hawkeye and Eternals, and I love going behind the scenes, and I love that we get that stuff on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. But I also like just getting new stories. And last year spoiled the crap out of me with having all those episodes of Disney Plus series, as yeah. well as all the movies, that now I'm starting to think uh, it's just part of my normal thing of I get new MCU every week. And that just hasn't been the case. But it will be soon because we'll have Moon Knight and then we will have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And we are going to talk about them in the order I just mentioned. We're going to talk about Moon Knight first because there wasn't really that much that we got in the Moon Knight big game spot. It wasn't like Doctor Strange where the big game spot was just tossing it up to a full trailer that you could watch online. Mm-hmm. For Moon Knight, the big game spot was all there was to it, those 30 seconds. And it wasn't even the coolest thing that we got from Moon Knight that week of uh, yeah. the big game. We got It was really the official image from Empire that was our first look at Moon Knight in the suited costume, the dapper look for Moon Knight that many of you comics fans are familiar with, or for those who've just been listening to us on the podcast, uh, you've heard us describe and talk about how much we were looking forward to these different looks for Moon Knight, that one being a key one that we were really excited about, and we got confirmation of it, and holy crap, it looks perfect. Uh, I, I No notes. Nothing I could really yeah. say that's wrong about that suited up look for Moon Knight. It is right on point. 
And then as far as this big game spot, it just sold more of what was already in the trailer, the the dissociative mm-hmm. identities and every, all these different identities from Moon Knight. We got a little bit more of Ethan Hawke's, whatever we want to call him, Dr. Arthur Harrow slash Sun King. He is some sort of combination of those characters and also probably something original to the MCU. But what we also got, one extra little nugget from Moon Knight, is when Disney released official images from the series in the captions, it confirmed that Academy Award winner F. Murray Abraham is the voice of Khonshu, the moon god, in the series. Mm. And F. Murray Abraham is a brilliant actor who, of course, has had a, a very long career. But most recently, I can't be the only one. Sure, I'm sure some of you listening have enjoyed him as what C.W. Longbottom on Mythic Quest. He is great in that show. He's absolutely hilarious. So the idea that uh, this legend is going to be here as the voice of Khonshu just seems uh, perfect. And uh, pretty much as perfect as Moon Knight's suit. I I love it, Paul, and I know you did too. And we were texting back and forth, just flipping out over it. Yeah, that was it. I'll be honest, Sean. When they revealed that on on uh, on Saturday before the Super Bowl, I thought you know when we got the trailer, they would have the 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 debut of that same you know costume in motion a little bit. And I was surprised when it they didn't. So I mean, Empire Magazine got a pretty great exclusive, and yeah. I, I got. I gotta tell you, I think the suit and tie looks better already than the regular costume. Yeah, it does. I'm, yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> it, looks it does. Amazing. <laughs> it does. And that's not taking anything away from the more superhero esque costume, which we did yeah. get a better look at via the big game spot. I agree. And with that, yeah. Um, yeah, like it was. It was awesome, and. and all of those looks are great. And that's what I'm excited about is we get multiple great looks for Moon Knight in this series, which I totally want. And, and in fact, that was going back to the last episode that we did, 239, when we were reacting to the very first trailer for Moon Knight. I called out with a heavy caveat there of it's just the first trailer. We will we should definitely expect to see a lot more of Moon Knight and everything else. I did call it out as I really hope that's not what this show is, where there's a lot of Oscar Isaac and not necessarily a lot of Moon Knight. Those concerns were alleviated for me by yeah. the big game spot because there was plenty of Moon Knight in those 30 seconds, but then also having the confirmation that, yes, we are going to get indeed another look for Moon Knight in the show. There's going to be plenty of Moon Knight in the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. I have not that I was not confident about that but i'm much more confident in that uh after these past couple weeks as opposed to just based on that first trailer it's really fascinating because you know for people who aren't familiar with the character they gotta realize that these costume changes are more of a recent thing this is only in the last like five six years that Mm. they've really gone to a you know different looks and Giving the idea of um, Moon Knight and, and the whole um, different personality disorder he has, and using that not just with, with the like the cab driver and the rich guy and the mercenary, but actually going in and giving like using different costumes and they and that's a, again a Warren Ellis thing that he did in his first initial run that kind of brought in the whole suit and tie thing because he would go through these different costumes and it was really interesting. They all kind of different. They all were different uh, things that he would he'd be doing and kind of focused on. So, and I, it was really interesting because I never thought 
you know, no one really did that before. And Moon Knight's been around since like the late 70s. So it's really crazy that it took so long for someone to kind of put a couple different ideas together. And now it's really, these ideas have really stuck. So these are not necessarily like old school things. These are very, very recent, but they're very, very good. And I, I just, I love suit and tie. It looks amazing. And I, I, I kind of tend to think that, and I probably, you, I think you'd probably agree with this, that we're probably going to get multiple versions of costumes and things like that, yep. especially with the, especially with the whole symbiote ish idea of the, you know, of, of the, the, the fist of Conchu costume being, you know, a part of, you know, the mysticism of Moon Knight right. rather than just a costume that he makes, which again, I think is a very fascinating idea. I'm not sure it'll be, I'll be fine with it regardless, but I'm very fascinated how they explain it, how it works in the context of the show. Um, because it is, does feel a little bit venomish <laughs> a little bit. Um, but again, it, I, I love what we're getting and I definitely think some of the action we got in this episode or in this episode, in this trailer, um, it definitely made me feel, feel really, uh, a lot better about what we're getting. Um, I love some of the imagery we had. I know the, mm -hmm. the obvious, uh, the moon stars that he throws, the, right. as he jumps the and the catching one. Comes, yeah. Oh, oh, he, yeah. He catches one and then he's like, you know, he's jumping up and the, and the cape does the shape of it in the air. I definitely feel like this is going to be a really interesting character. And I think and that's why I love the character. I think that's why a lot of Marvel people love the character and why he's a cult status character is that he's very interesting. He's not a, you know, a household name yet, but I think he very well could be. I mean, again, it might be like the, the darker edge of the darker side of the Marvel universe, but um, this is going to be the entryway. And I think just a little bit we've seen so far, I was a little rev I was a little bit worried about some things, but after now the the big game trailer and and the suit and tie costume, I'm I'm in. Like I'm in. I'm ready. I cannot wait. It's gonna be insane. Moon Knight all the way. Let's do it. Let's do it. I can't say it any better than that, so I won't. So that's it for for Moon Knight. Let's talk about <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse yes. of Madness, which did have that thing where thirty second TV spot and then throw it to the trailer that we all watch and, and rewatch like crazy online. And I did need to rewatch this trailer a few times just to even wrap my head around exactly what's in it and what I'm seeing in this mm. second trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Paul. And it, it, it was uh, a bit of a delay for me to actually <laughs> see it because everybody was texting yep. me like, did you see the trailer? And I was like, now I'm, uh, I'm I'm at the game. I got to go to the game. <laughs> I was very fortunate and privileged and blessed to be able to go to the game and uh, watch Rams House become Champs House in Super Bowl 56. That was really, really great, being able to watch the Rams win. But interestingly enough, getting home, still on that high from watching uh, our, our Los Angeles Rams, not ours and Paul's and my Paul's a Seattle Seahawks fan yeah. <laughs> through and through. Um, yeah. But after watching uh, my beloved Rams, win the Super Bowl and being on that high, get home. And of course, the first thing I got to do, though, is I've got to watch this Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness trailer. And my wife was with me and, and sat down and we watched the trailer. And then actually, she was the one who said, play that again, before I even Whoa. hit the button to play that again. She loved that trailer. And uh, my wife, Melissa, she loves Marvel in general. Like, she loves all the movies, all the Disney Plus series. So it's not like she normally hates these things. And all of a sudden, you know, now she loves this one. No, she generally is in favor of, of all of this stuff. She's just able to, like, watch it and then be done with it, as opposed to me, who has to keep talking about it. But 
normally doesn't necessarily need to watch like rewatch a trailer three times but totally did for multiverse of madness and wanted to not just like i'm confused play that again like enjoyed it and was very excited about uh, and is very excited about seeing the movie as am i because yeah this trailer it just looks completely bonkers but it also looks to me like the reason why you have sam raimi come in and make this movie and that was something that look i am a proponent and have been for five plus years now of the first Doctor Strange movie as directed by Scott Derrickson and and was a fan of the idea of him coming back for a sequel. But the one knock I had on that first film is I didn't think it was as out there as it could have or should have been. Mm -hmm. And then we hear that Derrickson is out. A few weeks later, Sam Raimi is in. And I think, well, that solves that problem. So, uh, and this trailer is even more evidence of that, that there's nothing about this that feels safe. There's nothing about this that feels typical or what we could or should expect from the MCU. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this trailer, and we will only do our best to try and make sense of it. And I don't know that this is going to be a story that actually makes sense. That remains to be seen, but all I know is... The possibilities that are introduced in this trailer are all really, really exciting. This, to me, is one thing people need to know is that obviously Sam Raimi likes comic books. I mean, he did Spider-Man. He won the, the director role of that because he's a huge Spider-Man fan from the original days. What I'm trying to get at is that Doctor Strange is a silver or Doctor Strange. Sam Raimi is a Silver Age, you know, uh, Marvel fan through and through and Steve Ditko is a big reason why I think he's into Dr. Strange and, and Ditko and Lee obviously and it makes a lot of sense on so many different levels we've talked a lot I've talked a lot about this Sean um, that just Sam Raimi and Dr. Strange just makes a lot of sense in so many different levels and I, again going back to the whole idea of the comics and things like that is that you know Sam Raimi collected comics back in those days in Silver Age and that was his you know heyday and that was his Spider-Man, and this was his Doctor Strange. I haven't, I haven't gone on record or looked at around and seen that he's a huge fan of Doctor Strange, but I'm going to go on a limb and say yes. He was probably a huge fan back of those original comics. And, you know, those original comics that like we've talked about on, on Patreon episodes before and everything, they're bonkers. You know, uh, Ditko was a master of creating the psychedelic world. And this guy didn't like wasn't a drug, t- you know, he didn't take drugs. He's had a really imaginative mind. Um, and he just knew and just had such a creative mind and would give Dr. Strange these crazy stories and adventures that Lee just would be, you know, go and script afterwards, be like, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm just going to (laughs) go roll with it and just put the dialogue in and move forward and just, you know, just keep going, going from there. And I think what you really see here are the elements of the things that Steve Ditko did in the comic books and, and, and obviously other things too, but that whole essence and, taking it up a notch using the medium of film and everything that Sam Raimi knows and loves. He knows how to kind of balance it all together. Cause I mean, one of the things I remember as a kid and I loved army of darkness. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, evil dead too is I think a phenomenal film, not a big fan of the evil dead one, but that's a whole different story. Um, but my point is, is that Sam Raimi knows, you know, he, I was, I was nervous about, Spider-Man just because Sam Raimi I'm like I don't know if he's a good fit for this and he just knew exactly what to do and tonally with Spider-Man as that character 
he's just a good storyteller. And I think this trailer, as I just watch it and like how, you know, you said your wife, you know, said play it again. I remember me and Chris, Chris, our friend Chris Clow, we watched it on, you know, the day before or before the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe what I just watched. That <laughs> was, I mean, the trailer at the end of New, No Way Home was fine. It was cool, but it didn't get me overly excited. It was like, oh, it looks cool, you know, but like, yeah, but whatever. This took what we saw at the end of No Way Home and answer to 11. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, whoa, I can't believe what I'm watching. And all different things we'll get into, and they're teasing. There's a lot here to unpack. And you could you could honestly analyze this trailer for, for a long, long time, which we'll, we'll do it for a while. But it's just crazy to me what Sam Raimi has now. We already saw a little bit of that tra- end of the trailer or end of the movie for a trailer in uh, you know, No Way Home. But now this, with this Super Bowl you know, trailer we, we're seeing now, it has put things on a whole new perspective to me that like, man, Sam Raimi might be, might just be making the most insane superhero movie ever. And that's after watching no way home and, and having that brilliant film. And that's a different kind of movie, obviously, but this is going to be on a level that we may have never even anticipated. And I, it may be a perfect storm because Sam Raimi knows how to bring the insanity. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie, uh, drag me to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't, I recommend it. Uh, I loved it and I saw it in the theater and I had a blast and it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. And it's just kind of insanity going on throughout, you know, throughout the, throughout the whole movie. And it kind of has that feel to it a little bit. Obviously it's not, this is, a, you know, that movie on steroids, but I mean, there's a little bit of that idea of this kind of insanity going on. And I like that. There was something about that movie that he just knew the pacing so well. And this trailer there's it feels like we're balancing, you know, the the emotional aspect of Doctor Strange, but also Wanda. And I'm very intrigued because, you know, we we don't really know how Wanda fit in necessarily and how much she's going to, you know, her character and her, you know, um, her storyline will, will tie in. And now with this trailer, we've got confirmation that it's going to be a pretty big, (laughs) you know, a pretty big, yeah, it's, it's a pretty big thing. And I mean, it takes it even into the heart of her own story. I mean, there's exactly echoes of WandaVision in there, certainly. And, and it shows that, uh, even though it's, it's so funny that in the no way home sizzle trailer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's Stephen strange saying, I'm not here to talk about Westview. Well, this movie is not here to ignore Westview. And I, I think that is the right call because obviously WandaVision mm-hmm. is very popular, but it's not just about capitalizing on the popularity of the Disney Plus series. It's This is like the key moment at, for Wanda's story at this point in her journey in the MCU. So you can't just pull her from that and act like none of it ever happened or not treat it as serious or, or meaningful to her story and, and it would inform the other things that she's a part of. And that, by the way, is another example of the fulfillment of the promise that Kevin Feige made about these Disney Plus series is that what happens in them will matter and it will affect the movies and the characters going forward. And so I think you get confirmation of that. It's one thing for him to say it, but it's quite another to actually see it unfold. And it seems like it's unfolding in a a pretty big way in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But before, uh, one last thing before we get into the specifics of this this trailer, I want to touch on that point you made about Sam Raimi and, and that journey of 
just figuring out, is this guy, is he going to be the right guy for Spider-Man all those years ago? I know now that seems like, well, duh, obviously, but not necessarily as obvious when Sam Raimi was originally selected mm-hmm. to direct a Spider-Man movie that would come out in 2002, which, yeah, holy crap, the 20th anniversary is creeping <laughs> up on us. God. But what I think Sam Raimi is really good at is knowing what he likes about a thing but also kind of knowing what other people like about a thing. And it's not to say that he does it in a way that's people-pleasing. Like, I think his tastes just kind of align with what... And he his style is so unique and his style can be so quirky that it seems like maybe he would be out of touch with a general audience. But he's totally not. Like, he, what he his sensibilities, his taste, it really drives at the heart of storytelling from the perspective of whatever mm-hmm. character he's telling a story about. Absolutely. that is what makes him a great director for a Spider-Man movie, but it's also what would make him a great director for a Doctor Strange movie. That's not to say that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is already great. We haven't seen it, but it looks great, and the potential is there, and that there's there are reasons why we are so excited about that potential, and chief among them being the person at the helm with Sam Raimi. But enough about him. Let's talk about what he has included in this movie. Uh, the first thing that like set off an alarm in my head was when Doctor Strange and the voiceover is talking about how every night he has the same dream. But then he wakes up, and then the nightmare begins. And I was like, wait a minute. We ain't been hearing anything about Nightmare other than originally was intended to be the villain of the first Doctor Strange movie and then was probably going to be the villain of the second one, but we never heard about anybody being cast as Nightmare or anything like that. Looks like Doctor or it looks like Benedict Cumberbatch has been cast as Nightmare, but he also was part of the voice of Dormammu, so I guess that kind of makes sense. If Nightmare is in this in more of a I don't know, metaphysical concept or something like that as opposed to uh, an actual specific being with a specific form, I don't know. Or maybe we will find out that Nightmare actually is played by an actor who we will actually see in this. But right now, it seems to be all Benedict Cumberbatch. But yeah, just him landing on that word nightmare. Granted, uh, nightmare is a general concept that also works in this situation that doesn't have to refer to nightmare from Marvel comic books and being the very first villain that Doctor Strange encountered ever in comic books over in Strange Tales. But I don't know, Paul, when he said that word, you know, my mind just started just started running with that. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. There's a couple not to go too far ahead, but if you go to, you know, two minutes and six seconds of the trailer and the, you know, Dr. Strange kind of looking crazy guy with all the different arms around him. Yeah. And all those little I, ghosts shooting out. Yeah, I kind of thought, I'm like, is that supposed to be a nightmare? I mean, it's obviously Doctor Strange or Benedict Cumberbatch and all his prosthetics, like you were saying. I, I don't know how to answer that. I think that's a really good question. I, I almost think that he could be that metaphysical thing, maybe initially at first, but I feel it's gonna we're gonna eventually get some kind of like uh, some kind of physical form of him that we can see. Um, but I, I don't know if it's gonna be an actor. It could be kind of like what you're saying with Benedict. Cumberbatch plays him or but it's like it's it's not really going to be Dr. Strange. It's like it's something you get of, possessed by as opposed to like an actual yeah, physical I, thing. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, there's because I don't think they're going to go a um, full route of like an evil Dr. Strange, the bad guy. I was thinking about that today when, we're, when I knew we were recording today 
And I'm like, you know, there's just not, it feels too on the nose right now because we're just opening the world of multiverse for the Marvel universe. Right. And we're just dipping our toes into it. And I don't think they're going to go the evil twin reality right out the bat with Dr. Strange when you have so many different characters to go with. And especially when you have, you know, American Chavez, um, Rintra, all those different people, Baramordo is still in the movie as mm -hmm. we know. So I feel there's going to be something. I feel that there's, what I think is going to end up happening, if Nightmare is the bad guy, it's going to be a guy or, or an actor that's not going to be a well-known person. It's going to be a guy in a costume or, or with a mask, and he's going to be talking, but it's going to be the voice of like Benedict Cumberbatch again or something like that. I don't mm. think it's going to be um, you know, an actual like actor in, in a costume. I think it's going to be either CGI or if it's an actor in a costume, it's going to be some kind of like, you know, just a, 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 an unknown person, but it's going to be voiced by someone bigger or something like Benedict or something like that. That's the way I see it anyway. But yeah, the nightmare line, it come, it really does come in line with what's going on because again, you're not going to have for the multiverse of madness to be going on, you're driving all these different things. There has to be someone else at play kind of manipulating things from behind the scenes. Right. And a multiverse doing that because you have Wanda and Dr. Strange doesn't really make sense, especially with the whole Kang dynamic going on. And Kang's not involved in this at all. We, I, there's no way. So there's got to be something driving both of them and up in the ante. Because we're getting these different visions too, right? So of like Wanda and, mm -hmm. and all that. So I feel like there's someone at play and he may be metaphysical and I think that would work. But you need to have Doctor Strange take something on instead of just a big giant head like the last movie. Let's give some, right. you know, which I think was I trust Sam Ramy. So I think Nightmare is if he's in this, it's going to be buried in the movie and we're not going to see it in the trailers, which I'm all about. Right. Well, we do have I'm not just thinking about, you know, things just got out of hand, Doctor Strange, but the other one who maybe is still that evil one, but just more, I don't know, the, the 2.0 version of that evil Doctor Strange, or maybe it's a different evil or evil-ish Doctor Strange. The one we see with all the hands and like the arms, like the move we saw him do on Titan in Infinity War all those like demons or ghosts or whatever swirling around him and actually get a better look at him in the, uh, in the big game spot, like not the full trailer, but in just the shorter 32nd version, you get another look at him. I mean, I, I just think he's like curse of the curse of the black pearl. Dr. Strange is kind of what he looks like to me, but uh, as far as, you know, CG and, and whatever else, but not that the CG looks bad. It looks fine. But anyway, I think we are going to get a fair amount of evil Dr. Strange, but it's not so much as like having the one main antagonist be evil Doctor Strange. He's just kind of the physical manifestation of all these other problems that are happening with this whole multiverse thing. But there's something else, too, right? Like there's that giant like wrapped head or whatever that's screaming at America Chavez when she seems to be tied up, although that's also playing while they're talking about Doctor Strange's dream. So is that a dream or is that a thing that's actually happening? And I think that's the other part of it is we know that I mean, you could say that this is like Inception rules and everything's a dream and that this entire movie, he's not going through the multiverse at all. It's just one long nightmare for Doctor Strange and then he'll wake up and everything will be fine. But I don't really think that's what's going on here because we know from Spider-Man No Way Home that Doctor Strange was tinkering with the multiverse and he did his best to repair the situation. But as we saw in No Way Home, none of those spells were foolproof. And so even the one that was the repair job at the very end of that movie 
There's no rule that says that worked perfectly just because Peter made his sacrifice. It doesn't lessen Peter's sacrifice at all because it's based on his intent and everything he gave up in order to save the day, but it still doesn't mean that everything worked out okay, and it would appear that everything has not worked out okay. Strange is talking about how he did what he had to to protect our world. Wong is telling Strange that he can't control everything. You open the doorway between universes. We don't know who or what will walk through. And when he's talking to Wanda about the multiverse, Wanda says, well, Viz always believed that it was dangerous, and that appears to be the case. I mean, we see this very dangerous cloud looming over Kamartaj, and that's where you see, you know, the green Minotaur-looking guy. That's Rintra, uh, who Paul talked about a moment ago. So, yeah, a lot of things are going bad in this. But what I I like so far, because this was... this. Trailer helped solve a little bit of a riddle for me, which is exactly how Mordo was going going to fit into this movie, because we know what his mission was. Uh, you know, too many sorcerers from the post credit scene from the first Doctor Strange movie, but that almost seemed like it could have been its own thing to have this one on one rivalry with Mordo and Doctor Strange which is more like what we would have expected from the comic books. But Mordo seems to have aligned himself with other forces here in order to perhaps allow himself a a better chance at controlling these things. But what I like about this is, and and maybe it's just the editing and he's not part of it, but he seems to be part of the crew that is arresting Doctor Strange. And if that's where Mordo is in this story, I really like it because I think it allows Mordo to be part of not just a vengeful one person, but to continue to be part of the bigger structure of things in the MCU. But also, I think it gives more truth to his journey and that this isn't about any pettiness or jealousy or what he thinks is right, that what he, his whole thing of the bill comes due always and you don't mess with the natural natural order of things, all that fun stuff that Mordo loves to talk about, that this is a stance that goes even beyond him, and this is something that he is trying to help enforce, trying to help protect, even if that inevitably means he's going to be an antagonist of Doctor Strange. I think it adds a lot of layers to it. It adds a lot of complexity to um, that rivalry or whatever you want to call it between Stephen Strange and, and Mordo, and I just think it gives Mordo a much more natural fit in the story as opposed to we're telling the main story we want to tell, but we don't want to completely ignore Mordo. So he's still over here saying too many sorcerers. No, they found a better way to organically uh, get him involved in this story based on what I'm seeing in this trailer. Yeah, I I kind of forgot he was in the movie, to be honest. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Now he fits. Yeah, no, exactly. And now, like you said, his traditional ways of being like the arch nemesis of Doctor Strange, all that jazz there is that natural rivalry, which I, this is going to be a part of it. What I'm very fascinated to see is where does this align in the movie itself? And it must be early on. And that's kind of my intention. I, I, I will say that this big game trailer definitely has given me a better sense of what the story like beats are going to be kind of, at least what, what I can tell. And I think that like you were saying, he believes in not having as many sorcerers, but right now, maybe he thinks my best play is to be one of them and then kind of mm-hmm. slowly, like you said, be in control because he obviously knows Wong and Strange are probably his biggest oppositions as far as right. power. 
And I think that's what maybe what we're going to get a better idea of what his motivation is of, of taking you know too many sorcerers. And maybe he wants to be the head sorcerer. And that's what I'm kind of maybe getting from this as well, like you're saying. And the fact that he's going to... Or maybe re- he's okay with not being the head sorcerer. Maybe the, his whole thing, of, maybe his stance of too many sorcerers has evolved. Maybe it's... Yeah. Well, too many sorcerers on Earth who don't know what they're actually doing. But now mm. that I have found, you know, because I think this is... I think Mordo is a student, not just a, a teacher in Comertage or was. And so I see this as a guy who probably kept learning, kept finding out more truth about the multiverse and, and how it was all working and maybe discovered this whole other aspect to it and realized this is something I can serve now, right? Because right. serving with the Masters of the Mystic Arts at Comartage. He couldn't do that anymore because he found out that they didn't entirely live by the principles that they said they stood for because the Ancient One was drawing magic from Dormammu in order to prolong the Ancient One's life. Well, that was a no-go for Mordo. And even though he kind of helped in the final battle, that still involved messing with time and tinkering with the natural natural order of things. So there was no way for Mordo to remain true, as he saw it, to remain true to his faith while also being part of the Masters of the Mystic Arts. But now he sees this other avenue where he says, well, wait a minute, I can still be true to this, and I don't mind serving this and being part of this, as opposed to I need to be the one and only sorcerer on Earth, because I don't really think that was his goal anyway. It was just, it was the first thing he could find to get people to stop being irresponsible with the power, as as he saw it, irresponsible with the power that they possess on Earth. Well, now if he finds something that's even more powerful and maybe adheres to these principles that Mordo has devoted himself to, this is okay, and he's he's happy to work as part of this organization. Yeah, I, I think that what's what's really cool is that um, the look of Mordo looks like he that there's they've gone with the longer hair, which I'm into because it kind of signifies there's been a, a, a nice passage of time mm-hmm. between the first and the second film because it has been a little bit, of, you know, it's been a good chunk of time and they've kind of gone, I think, out of their way to show there has been and maybe he's evolved like what you're saying. So there is visual yeah. representation of that, which, the, which I think is really cool. Um, so and also, I don't know if it really answers the question because there's so many of these stories have now taken long enough post blip, but I'm like, was he blipped or not? And Mm. maybe if he wasn't blipped, he had extra time to discover all of these things that he seems to have some knowledge of. Right. Yeah. Um, Right. And what I'm, and I'm starting to think too, you know, does he get captured by, by them and then get broken out by American Chavez and then Chavez is going around and they get captured by other things. We'll Maybe. get into. So that's it. I'm kind of feeling, I feel that he's pretty much like I'm screwed. Cause I, I mess with time and space. Maybe he does something that messes with time and space. And then after I think Chavez must come in and break him out and they have to get Wanda. That's where I feel like it kind of is going. Like he, he mu- I think with the No Way Home, there must be something he does between you know in the very beginning that, and maybe it is No Way Home that they're going after him for. I don't know. It, it remains to be seen. But right. I feel like Chavez is going to be. It's he gets captured multiple times and he gets he has to get uh, broken broken out by Chavez in the very beginning. That's what I the feeling I'm getting from this trailer. Yeah. Well, they seem to. I it looks to me like their first meeting is in that sequence where it looks like it's New York because you see her amongst the crowd that's running from the thing that looks like Shuma Garath, but apparently Marvel can't call it Shuma Garath because on like the Lego it's called like Giganto or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Licensing. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, 
that thing is attacking. But I wonder if that thing like followed America Chavez over from another dimension because she's not from mm-hmm. like our primary Earth in Marvel Comics. She's from another Earth. She can like punch her way through realities and, and all this other stuff because comics are great. Um, and that actually wasn't sarcasm, even though it said that. It sounded like it. I, I genuinely believe comics are great. But anyway, like, I don't know if she, or maybe this is already in another universe that just looks like ours. Like, I, I shouldn't assume that this is like the primary Earth 616 of the MCU. It just kind of looks like it. Visually, though, it, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but some of these, some of this does kind of actually remind me of. Um, the not the Battle of New York from the first Avengers movie, but from the opening in Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah, yeah, like some of that looks uh, almost too similar. I'm um, like, yeah, I don't know, but I, I, I but, can feel you on that one. I, I feel on that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like a, a little too similar, and and I don't know if they're reusing some stuff or whatever the case may be <laughs> to to save some bucks because this movie looks expensive, and if they had to save a few here or there, I I guess. But now I, I think the idea of it is. Because if this is not our Earth, then I kind of like the idea that it looks a little similar to Infinity War, because I think what the message that conveys is that, you know, each each Earth kind of has its own set of disasters and things that, uh, you know, that that might be have some similarities to things that we've seen in the the, you know, MCU prime Earth or whatever, and other things that are wildly different. Uh, I'm not really sure how all of that fits together, as I'm not sure how any of this fits together, but it seems like that's the meeting of Doctor Strange and America Chavez. But yeah, I can still see he gets captured. She helps bust him out. And, you know, because there's so many different forces that seem to be at play in this trailer. Like even after Doctor Strange gets arrested, he's being escorted by these things that kind of look like Ultraman, but might also be yeah. Ultron centuries. But uh, to me, like when I first saw him, I was like, Ultraman, that's not that's Marvel. Too. Like, how'd they do that? <laughs> how'd they get away with that? I don't know. Um, no, well, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm guessing they've got to be Ultron centuries. I can't really think of any other Marvel robots that look like that. Well, I'll say I, they kind of ties. My answer kind of ties in a little bit to what we're might be getting in, the big the elephant in the room, but I'll wait for that elephant to get here. So right. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. So, well, the elephant in the room is next, although I actually need to uh, talk about something else just ahead of that. So Dr. Strange is, is brought into this room. Now, in this room, there are more than three chairs, but I only see three occupants in the room. Mm. Never mind who's playing one of those occupants, but the fact that there were three people there that I could see in the trailer, right? Standing right. judgment over someone else. I was thinking in my head, is this the MCU version of the Living Tribunal? Mm. And that doesn't even get into who might be one of the members of the Living Tribunal, but I kind of hope not. And the reason I hope not is the Living Tribunal looks awesome. He is uh, yeah. one physical entity with three faces. And uh, that's what I want to see in the MCU. I, I don't just want to see, even if one of them is played by someone who's been knighted, I, st- I, I don't want to see three people in chairs as the Living Tribunal. I want there to be the gigantic entity of the Living Tribunal. So that's what I'm hoping for in the MCU at some point. So I hope that's not what we're seeing. And the fact that there are 
more than three chairs there would suggest that these are not the only three who stand right. judgment. And maybe this is what the Illuminati is going to be in the MCU. And it's not the Illuminati over the affairs of Earth, but it really is. And even in the Marvel Comics universe, like it goes beyond Earth, although most of their meetings seem to take place on Earth. Yeah, mostly on Earth, yeah. But the Illuminati might be a more multiversal concept in the MCU or Ooh, Marvel Cinematic yeah. Multiverse or whatever. I'm open to all of those things, uh, including one of them being Charles Xavier, perhaps from the Fox X-Men universe. There's the elephant. Wow. I got to tell you, man, that blew, that blew my balls off. I, I was like, whoa, what? And <clears throat> I stay away from, from, you know, scoops. I've seen people hint at this a little bit before. And I'm like, yeah, you know, again, it's kind of put on my head. I'll, I'll see what happens. I got to tell you, um, when that happened, I realized, oh, because they set up perfectly, right? They have the Centurions coming in. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then the trailer, when I'm watching it, Sean, and he walks into that room of people, and then you hear the voiceover, I went, no way. And I immediately, you know, like most people on the internet who've read comics a little bit and puts it in their YouTube, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I do like the idea that the Illuminati is more of a multiverse overseer than the Earth overseer that we got from the comic books. It's a, it's a good difference. And I, I but what's cool about the thing, the comics and what, what they might be doing here, they kind of are still doing almost the same thing. It's, it almost feels like. Oh, yeah. Already. Well, I'm like, okay. think about the Illuminati from in Jonathan Hickman's run where they were talking about. I mean, they were blowing up other Earths, right? These are the oh, types yeah. of decisions that they were making yeah. during these incursions of multiverses merging on top of each other with like Earth as the starting point of a given merger. Like they already were dealing with multiversal types of things. So it's still, I think, true to a, a lot of the spirit of what's in there in the source material. No, exactly. And because I'm, th I'm thinking about the early days, which the Bendis and um, mm. um, Jim Chung run, which I love. I love those original comics. They're so good. And I really highly re recommend reading those. Those are a lot of fun. And they actually are really informational, to be honest. You get a lot of good history <laughs> of uh, uh, lessons on that, on, on that run itself. But like you said, that new Avengers by Hickman run is also incredible and a great use of those characters. But when that whole scene comes up and you hear, you know, I'm assuming Charles Xavier talk to Dr. Strange, it definitely put things in perspective. I'm like, that's a really, really fascinating look of the Illuminati and this idea because I immediately start going to all these different things about what this could mean. Because we talked about Kang, right? We talked about what does that mean? And I and I brought up, you know, back at reading uh, Avengers Forever and how Immortus and those different characters and how even Immortus back in the day had a, his hand in uh, manipulating Scarlet Witch and, you know, how she's in this, you know, the, uh, what is she, what did they call her? The, uh, she's like a Nexus being, yeah. uh, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's so much lore that they keep doing here. And you have to kind of think that, you know, what if Kang is going up against the Illuminati? Mm. You know, what if those are his enemies and they are losing the battle? And and because everything has kind of gone insane, the more in, you know, and more in the madness of the multiverse is going on, that there's less that it can, you know, police. And that means Kang can win. And you got to maybe wonder if that the right reason why Dr. Strange is walking up to the Illuminati is because they're like, you know, because what's going on, 
we can't we can't hold these people at bay. And this could be also introducing more ideas of Kang, you know, through this. And I, I think it's a way of doing Easter eggs because let's be real, the Illuminati, I, Patrick, Patrick Stewart, God bless him, you know, he's still kicking kicking ass, you know, in his, in his age. But you can't really depend on, you know, these older actors to like keep these recurring roles. And if Illuminati is going to play a giant, you know, mm. uh, role in the films, I'm not a different incarnation of the Illuminati could happen. You know, another thing that could think about too, this could be an, a version of the Illuminati of like overseeing the, the multiverse, but we see him get destroyed for whatever reason here, Sean, but right. what if this inspires Dr. Strange to do his own Illuminati? I think, yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. And, and even mm-hmm. if that's not what it is, look, Xavier, isn't always alive in the comic books. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think there is also the possibility that, you know, he's he replaces here. him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A- yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like if Doctor Strange is not starting his own Illuminati by the end of this movie, it's because he's already been given membership in this one that yeah. we are being presented with. If any of this has anything to do with Illuminati at all, which it may not, but it kind of looks like it has there- a lot to do with that. There is a now, maybe I'm wrong here, and I'm sure everyone's already debunked this, maybe, but you know, bear with me here, people, because I, I avoid that stuff because of my own. I want to stay as pure as possible. When he walks in, it looks like it's a woman's figure walking. Am I am I crazy? I really can't tell. Like I, I've tried. It was hard enough for me to just count how many people are actually in chairs, and I see two people seated and one person walking. Um, yeah, and then. Yeah, the I mean the voice is unmistakably Patrick Stewart. Although I think sure. it's it's really funny that like he gave an answer to an interview that a lot of people have like perfected the art of imitating his voice, which I think is just that's maybe one of my favorite answers ever of an actor trying to pretend they're good. not in a Marvel that's thing. A good one. That's like really that. good. That's very inventive <laughs> as opposed to just I don't know where any of this is coming from. To like be to actually have your voice be there in a trailer, be like that ain't me. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So oh, I love yeah. that. God bless him. Hats man. off to oh, Sir amazing. Patrick Stewart. Just oh, so amazing. Um, that, but it's, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here. That could be a different version of Wanda. Um, it could be that. I mean, it could be, I don't know, it could be the ancient one coming back. Like, I, I don't, although I don't think so. I mean, I think it's Patrick Stewart, but the, the question. No, 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 no oh. I'm talking about the one walking behind him. Oh. Like behind the. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I apologize. I, the form, the way that the shape is, it looks like a, a female. Mm. And I'm like, is that a woman? And if that is, it could be a Wanda, a different version of Wanda. Yeah, well, there's definitely two versions of Wanda in this trailer because they're they're staring like right. across from each other. And, and that it's hard to tell like which one. I mean, I'm guessing the one in the fancy costume is like our Wanda and the other one is this nightmare version of it. And that's Kind of the other interesting thing, right, is we have this nightmare, oh, yeah. whatever version of Doctor Strange, but it seems like we have one for Wanda as well. But I do want to, if we are talking about, while we're on the subject of the elephant in the room, though, we also mm-hmm. got to talk about the Ralph Boner in the room, which is <laughs> that, look, <laughs> a year ago, I mean, hell, when, when did that episode air? Almost a year to the oh, day or whatever. God, like, yeah. you know, thinking that Evan Peters shows up and he pay, he played Quicksilver in this one universe and now here he is in this other universe. And going back to our, our chapter five spoiler review of, of WandaVision, I was saying like, yeah, it could be big, but it may also not be anything at all. And it turned out to be much closer to the latter than the former. 
I don't think this is that. I, I I understand the reservations that people would have, and you could say pump the brakes. And look, maybe Patrick Stewart is playing a character not named Charles Xavier. And I, I just, that's totally a possibility. I just don't think that's the case. At the same time, however, even if Patrick Stewart is playing Charles Xavier, it doesn't mean he's playing that Charles Xavier, the one that you've seen him play in all of those Fox X-Men films. And the reason I say that is plainly obvious in the trailer. We're dealing with multiple versions of the same people because of the multiverse. Like that's part of this story, or at least it seems to be. And what I have a question about is like, how does the Charles Xavier from the Fox X-Men films even get to this part and this place within the multiverse to be part of a multiversal Illuminati or whatever they're calling this thing? I assume that's the, the sort of thing that they would just go ahead and, and give and, and explain to us because we would be wondering exactly how it makes sense. Because even in that one, I mean, we know what the, the demise of that Charles Xavier was technically in that continuity with Logan, although I think this would pretty much retcon Logan out if it's still factoring in any Fox X-Men continuity at all. But pretty much this is my long-winded rambling way, signature Sean Gerber rambling sort of way of being like, this could be a lot of things, and I have no idea which one is which. Yeah, I... I well, first of all, I think Logan's in its own continuity, too. I don't think it's in the... Even in the own X-Men continuity, just because Xavier is... Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, but he could be last, speaking from experience with Doctor Strange, like, hey, don't mess with this stuff, man. I, I used to screw around with people's minds and all sorts of things, and turns out I killed everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, in one version, and that's the thing, because in the X-Men Last Stand, he, you know, it gets evaporated, and he shows up at the very end in a different person's body. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's... Yeah, I... I either way... I think having Sir Patrick Stewart be a part of the uh, multiverse of madness and a version of Charles Xavier is still signifies mm -hmm. just how insane everything is. And, and it's just, it makes it more fun. And again, if you, if this is this different version of the Illuminati and all these different crazy rumors are going on, it's, it's going to be, I, I it's going to be insane. If it's if from all the little things that I've even like just mistakenly read or heard about, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to worry about how this is connected with, you know, X-Men films. I think most people will get and and, and just kind of roll with it at that, at that point, I think, for the most part. But, what, you know, don't be disappointed if, if he does show up, that he's not in it very long either. I right. mean, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's be real here. So there's a, I mean, but I'll say this too, Sean, the fact he's showing up in this movie only is just telling us that mutants are coming right real soon. <laughs> and that is where I think the biggest difference can be between yes. what we see in this trailer and really more of what we hear in this trailer versus Ralph Boner is <laughs> Ralph Boner ended up like opening doors to nothing, right? Like it right. didn't do anything. And we're thinking, well, maybe this opens the door to mutants and maybe the X-Men continuity. No, none of that. Where with this one, if he's Charles Xavier, then this is a mutant right here in the MCU, right? Like, and it's mm -hmm. as powerful a mutant as there is in the MCU right there in this movie. So yep. that already, just by the very nature of what that is, mm -hmm. opens doors. 
And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean everything comes charging through in this movie. And I understand why you might think so, because it looks like everything is charging through everything in this movie based on this trailer. (laughs) But it's opening doors that other mutants will be able to walk through in their own way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Marvel, because I don't think this is going to be the case. I don't think they're trying to make the point that um, they're just using this as the multiverse's Bifrost to get all of those Fox X-Men iterations into the mainline MCU. They're going to take the ones they want, leave behind the ones they don't want. And oh, by the way, even bringing in some of the classic favorites doesn't mean somebody else can't play the MCU primary version of that. We now live in a world where Tom Holland's Spider-Man, the main MCU Spider-Man, is hanging out with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So even if we do get a story that brings Hugh Jackman's Wolverine into a mainline MCU movie, we could still have an MCU Wolverine who's not Hugh Jackman. There are a lot Mm. of different things that, or a lot of different ways that all of this could play out, and I have no idea. And that's not even what this movie is about. It's exciting because it seems like that's Charles Xavier, and that opens a lot of doors for a lot of other things most of which would probably happen after this movie. But whatever version of of it we get, whatever explanation or reasoning behind Charles Xavier even being there, if in fact that's Charles Xavier, all of that is, of course, very exciting. But I'm more excited, well, not more excited, as excited as I am about the future possibilities that come with that. It's also what's right here in front of us, which is this idea of, Sir Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier, having a conversation with Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange and what comes of that, which initially I think will be a, you really shouldn't be doing this, Doctor Strange. Um, But then eventually there will be some sort of respect where, as I said, Doctor Strange will either be inspired by this club and start his own, or he will become a card-carrying member of this uh, MCU Illuminati. But yeah, it's... The possibilities on this one are just absolutely massive, but there's some other things that I want to make sure we cover from this uh, this trailer, including somebody is attacking Wanda. And at fir- the first time I saw the trailer, I thought it was a battle between this glowing being and America Chavez. But upon further review, that's Wanda. And I'm wondering, although it's the non-Scarlet Witch costumed version of Wanda that this being seems to be battling and with that glow, immediately to me, it looked like Captain Marvel. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't know. Is that going to be Captain Marvel? Is it going to be Monica Rambo? Because we know, of course, history between Monica and Wanda from WandaVision. Is it going to And We only just saw like the beginnings of Monica Rambo's powers. Um, but could this be like Maria Rambo um, from some other Earth, you know, who's taking on this spot? I've seen some people saying it's superior Iron Man. Like, I don't see oh, where that's God. coming from. Um, doesn't mean there isn't a superior Iron Man in this movie <sighs> somewhere. And, and I know everybody's talking about Tom Cruise and, and whatever else. I don't know where any of that's coming from in the current context, other than way back when, when we used to only dream about these things being movies. Yeah, Tom Cruise was always there as the person that everybody was fan casting as Iron Man. And apparently yes. was in talks for it, I think, at, at different stages when it was at like Miramax or wherever wherever it was, like way back before Marvel Miramax. Studios got the rights back, or was it New Line? I can't remember where it I think, was. I think, I, think you're, I think New Line, or I think it was New Line, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, so it was somewhere, I mean, it, 
Iron Man rights, I think, bounced around a couple different places before Marvel yeah. eventually got him. But bef- prior to being back at Marvel Studios, yes, there was always the talks that, that Tom Cruise was going to be the guy. So sure, if we got a movie where Tom Cruise was Tony Stark slash Iron Man, I guess that would be interesting. I just don't know why that would need to be this movie. Despite like everything in the kitchen sink being in this movie, I don't really know. So I don't think the the glowing fighting thing is uh, is superior Iron Man. I'm guessing it's some version of a Marvel hero, whether that's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, Monica Rambeau, or Maria Rambeau. The one thing I will say that if it is, and the reason why people say, are saying it's superior or, or Iron Man. And, or it's none of them because it's just a nightmare projection. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, that to me would make the most sense because we see this version of Wanda again, but we, it almost is reverse because we, we're seeing our Wanda on her knees and just kind of looking defeated while the, the other, this version of Wanda that we were seeing is like almost, you know, like comforting her, comforting her in some way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's again, this is where it gets really crazy. And this is where, when you're doing these multiverses, nightmare, I mean, if you include nightmare ver- versions and multiverse versions, it's going to get really hard to keep track of things. And I'm, that's one thing that makes me think, I'm not sure how much, you know, they're going to be doing with this, uh, as far yeah. as nightmares and, and non nightmares. But I do think that if it is, to me, if you're throwing Iron Man and a a version of Tom Cruise, if it's got to be, I think there is one way to make it work. And if, if I think it is when, if the Illuminati are for whatever reason, um, need to be stopped and, or whatever. And it's in Wanda is that is one of those people that can make it, make them all stop. And, And with, you know, Dr. Strange there too, that would make more sense and having him that if that was Tom Cruise's character in for a, a split second would fight Wanda and then gets obliterated. I could see that. I, I wouldn't, I would make sense if, if, if his scene is short, he's, you know, all the Illuminati that are there are upset because he want dead or, you know, because it was again, comics, you know, I, the Immortus character was very much knew that she was the key of a lot of different things happening in that Marvel in the 16 comic book universe. I feel that she, is very much that same way. And that's why she's in this movie, to be honest, because I think there is going to be, you know, Dr. Strange might know she's kind of the key for a lot of things that he wants to help write. And then maybe the Illuminati know, no, this is not someone we want to deal with. Right. This is not good. I could see Tom Cruise, you know, maybe having a scene yelling at Dr. Strange for a minute and saying, I'm Tony Stark from this universe. And then Wanda shows up and he's like, ah, and then Wanda's like, see you, dude, and, <laughs> you know, blows him away. Yeah. And that's it. All of a sudden turns into Obadiah have... Stane. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But the, dude, how amazing would it be actually that in the, like Tom Cruise doing that in the, in the suit, you know, oh, just like man. that scene, like, oh my God, I would be, I, I, I'd combust right there. <laughs> um, I just blow up. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but no, but sir, I could see that's the yeah. only way I could see it. it ha- he'd have to be only well, be on screen for less than five minutes. One quick scene yelling at, you know, yelling at them. Wanda shows up, gets a gear, fights. Because Tom Cruise, he's a busy guy. He doesn't have time to do lots of stuff. So, I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Well, so my I, question would be, though, if you're going to have a different Tony Stark, because most of the world has no idea that Tom Cruise was ever rumored or linked with this role at any point in time. Because most people weren't aware of Iron Man until there were movies with Iron Man actually in them. And he was played by Robert Downey Jr. If you're going to go through this thing of you're going to have a different version. And look, the setup is there, right? We have different Peter Parkers from the multiverse. We just saw it No Way Home. 
So it stands to reason, different Tony Starks. And yes, you could go ahead and you could have that Tom Cruise, Tony Stark come into it. But my question is, who is that personal for? Because if you're going to include it, then it should be personal for some of the other characters who are already involved in the story. And is it personal enough for Doctor Strange? I mean, he liked Tony and, and certainly respected him, started calling him by his first name when he looked in the future and realized that Tony would sacrifice himself in the one version of the future where they would actually be able to defeat Thanos. So Doctor Strange does care about Tony, but I don't know if it's on the level where he would have the reaction that I would want a character to have to be like, oh, wow, this is not our Tony Stark, but this is a Tony Stark. Like, I, I just don't know if it really has the emotional heft that it could have if it were saved for another story, which doesn't mean they won't do it in this movie. It just means that it might be an element that's better served if it were used elsewhere. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, as I said, they still have like so much going on in this movie that nothing would shock me if it got thrown in there. Um, and I think but the, the main question, though, is you still want it to matter. You still want it to make sense and be a coherent story, which looks like it will be a challenge based on this trailer. But a lot of times these things look crazier than they ultimately are because we have we're not supposed to be able to put this together based on watching the trailer. I don't necessarily want to be able to put it together. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying too hard to put it together because I, I don't really want to know how it fits until I see the actual uh, till I see the actual movie. But uh, there are a few more things I, I want to make sure we touch on before mm. we get out of here. You know, that giant screaming head that was with America Chavez. Well, first off, like Sochi Gomez, she's in a lot of this movie as America yeah. Chavez. And I am very happy about that because this is a character that I know many of us have wanted to see in the MCU for a long time. And based on this trailer and what we saw in the last one, she is, it, this is not just some cameo or small supporting role in this, at least not from what I can tell. It looks like she is all over this movie, and I, I'm very excited about that. I think it's a really cool character. And so far, I mean, granted, we haven't seen like a full scene of, of performance, but what we're seeing in the trailer. I think Sochi Gomez is doing a, a great job in this role. And then other things that, uh, that kind of stood out. As I mentioned, the two Wandas that's going right into some of that WandaVision territory that I think is important because I don't think Wanda, how could she, right? Because the show just kind of wraps up with the finale and I, and I like the finale. I, I still enjoy it quite a bit, but there's definitely some things that like some lingering feelings and, and thoughts from those events in Westview that kind of need to be resolved. And I like that Wanda's going to be put back in that space. As I said, it, it elevates WandaVision. It shows that this is something that really matters in the story, not just something that is supplemental info that you don't necessarily need. I mean, I think Marvel will do the balancing act that they always do of give the audience what they need to enjoy the movie that's right in front of them. But for anybody who has seen WandaVision, that experience is going to be elevated uh, because it looks like they're they're paying off the investment that you would have made in this character by watching that series. I don't know. I was relieved to see how it seems like Mordo is fitting into the story. I don't exactly know how Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams, is fitting into the story. Looks like she's getting married. I don't know to whom. I'm guessing not Stephen Strange, so probably somebody else, and maybe it's more of a, hey, just want to acknowledge that you were in the first movie and we'll see you later sort of thing. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, she's not the kind of character who... I, I think plays a, a huge role in multiversal type of stuff, but who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll surprise us in there. And not that like that's going to be her only role in the movie is for us to stop by her wedding, but 
Um, I'm not sure exactly how uh, how she fits. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they fit other than going through the multiverse and timelines and stuff like that. There are dinosaurs that show up in this trailer. And I've seen people focusing on this and saying, oh, uh, it's Doctor Strange and America Chavez going into an animated realm. I don't know if that's what I see. Like To me, I don't know that that's really meant to be animation or it's just CG that you're very aware is CG. I'm... I'm not yeah. really sure when I look at that slow-mo visual where you see the dinosaurs. To me, it just looks like CG that I don't totally buy, but I kind of accept. Um, I don't know that that's like animated realm, what if Doctor Strange. Yeah, I. I, I it, this is so early still. I mean, they're, they're going to be lurking up to this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Up to the very end. I, I'm just going to wait for, for any CGI comments. I... I tend to be one of those people with the CGI stuff. I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. We'll just wait and see what the final product is because there's so many different times that the, the, the final product is so much better, so oh, much absolutely. cleaner. That it, it doesn't really, I don't even care. So it's like, yeah. it's hard for me to adjust because they're just trying to sell the premise of this thing. We'll just wait and see what happens. But yeah, I I have no no real problems with this, with any animation or yeah. CGI as far as right now at this very moment. And I also don't necessarily want this movie to be the one that bridges the gap between live action and animated universes. I kind of want the next Spider-Verse movie to do that, to get Miles into live action. But the way I would play that stuff anyway, I I wouldn't have the characters acknowledging what medium they're in because they shouldn't know. It should be as real to them as anything else. So a character operating in an animated space shouldn't see they looking at their own hands and everything should not look at themselves or see themselves as a cartoon. They should see themselves as just as real as uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in live action, looking at his own hand uh, as Stephen Strange. So I'm not necessarily uh, totally on board with the whole animated thing, unless you play it straight and everybody is, everybody believes they're real in whatever universe they're in, regardless of what medium we see it as, you know, as we're watching as an audience. But yeah, those were, uh, I think, the last of the visuals that uh, I wanted to touch on. Oh, there was that great line from from Wanda. I think I, I covered most of the visuals, but Wanda saying, you break the rules, you become a hero. I do it, I become the enemy. Doesn't Ooh. seem fair. Um, I like that line. I kind of wish it wasn't played as a joke because I think it's a very real thing that... You know, some, I don't know if it's going to be played for a joke I, necessarily. Yeah, I, I hope it's not. Like, it, it works fine as a joke so. for the trailer, but I want this to be a legitimate thing that Wanda has an issue with in uh, in this movie to show that, like, yeah, uh, all these guys are, are messing with the fabric of reality all the time, but especially, certainly a guy like Stephen Strange is. Um, meanwhile, Wanda messes with it. Now, there are finer points to have in the conversation. Like Stephen Strange could say, well, I did this to try and save people. You did this to, you did it accidentally to process your grief. Okay, so uh, I, I'm not saying that Stephen Strange doesn't have a comeback for it, but it also doesn't mean that there's no validity to uh, to Wanda's point in that she maybe isn't the only one who has to be feared because she's not the only one who's made mistakes. Yeah, I, I never looked at that as, as a joke more than anything. To be honest, Sean, I always kind of felt that was a really kind of a tense, kind of a eerie moment 
Yeah, um, it was when, until the delivery of that doesn't seem fair. And so I, I feel like if they go with a different line delivery in the actual movie, then mm. then it's then it's not so much the the setup for laughs. It, it's interesting because again, I I read it as again I I, I read the, everyone reads things differently, but I read it as almost that the way she says it, it's almost like it's, it's a little the, the unhinged Wanda a little mm. bit. Like I kind of looked into that a little a little more, just because I think this movie is going to be emphasizing her, and I don't want. Listen, I want to be very clear. I don't want Wanda to be written as like some unhinged person the entire MCU. Like that's not what I want. But I do feel there is really good storytelling about someone who is gone through grief and is processing. And let's be real, grief isn't just gonna go away. And and they've also emphasized that she's got a reason, her reason for doing this maybe is to get her children back. So there are a lot of different things that you know are going on here. And I feel that she's I don't know. I just I love that they're they're tackling this idea because mm. I think she's got legitimate reason to say it, and I think there's and I think what they're, they're also setting up with that line, Sean. I think they're setting up the fact that uh, Doctor Strange is going to help her get what she wants at some point, which I think will be Billy and um, oh my god, I forgot the other one's name, Tommy, um, Billy and Tommy, and so, or something like that, where he'll be bending the rules for Wanda. Because he knows it's not maybe always fair, even though he's bent the rules for Peter too. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, look, Doctor Strange is, uh, you know, he's not seen a rule that he's not willing to break. And but I think that's you know, that's just kind of the thing, right? If you're going to give people right. all these powers, they have to, you know, in order to limit them, you give them rules. But then that's part of the drama is they're going to break the rules and so on and so forth. And that's storytelling. But yeah, I mean, I I'm inter- It's interesting to think about what will happen with Wanda because her kids don't factor into the trailer at all. And I could see this being something that she is in pursuit of in a way that is not fulfilled in this story. And it, it almost feels like the kind of thing that gets acknowledged that, uh, you know, maybe some comment that she would make that would make us as an audience aware that yes, she is still pursuing, you know, finding her kids and, and whatever else. But I could see it kind of being on the back burner. I would compare it to Anthony Mackie as uh, Sam Wilson giving Cap the update at the Age of Ultron party, being like, oh, yeah, and our, our, you know, our cold case, our missing persons case or whatever, talking about Bucky, a storyline that was established in Winter Soldier, but they weren't circling back to in that movie. I could see Wanda almost having that sort of comment about the the search for her kids and you know what she's learning in this story could help inform that search and, and everything else but actually getting her kids back i'd be very surprised if that happens in in this movie just because it seems like there's that. so many other things going on in this movie yeah. that maybe some key to that process is revealed somewhere in this but it's ultimately something that comes to fruition later which totally makes sense with agatha harkness getting a series and there's nothing that says that Wanda can't get another series. It doesn't have to be called WandaVision anymore. It could be called something else, and it could be about her. So there are a lot of other things I think that could happen here, and so I, I feel like we'll get more of a an update of, oh, that's still a thing, Wanda looking for her kids, but not necessarily what happens in this one, because it's still going to be so many other crazy bonkers things that are, are happening, and 
We've done our best in giving this an hour talking about the Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of, of Madness trailer. I don't think you have, if you've listened to this whole thing, any better sense of what's actually going to happen in the movie, but that's okay because we don't either. We're just talking through it and reacting to it and just having fun with it, and it's mm-hmm. it's been exciting to talk about this trailer, and, and I can't wait to see this actual movie, but I'm also very happy that Moon Knight is going to help us with that wait, that we get to watch Moon Knight for several weeks before we sit down and watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but... It was a great run, not to rhyme, in 2021 for the MCU, and I know 2022, a little bit of a slower start because we didn't get a series in January like we did last year, but this thing is is picking up, and it's about to get going again, and um, yeah, what's right in front of us, these next two chapters of the MCU look really, really exciting, and I can't wait to check out both of them, but that is where we'll wrap up this edition of MCU Fan Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you're checking out Fan Show Plus for spoiler reviews on the Book of Boba Fett, as well as Peacemaker. And as those series wind down, additional MCU news and all the other types of things that we cover on Fan Show Plus in and outside the MCU, you can go to patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. You can search for Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel, and you can subscribe there. Make sure you follow us in those places you can at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on YouTube, the Comic Binge YouTube. Please like and subscribe uh, all those videos I have on there. I've got a lot of exciting things. These I think they're exciting. Uh, doing a, a really fun live stream this Friday uh, about the uh, newly released uh, Batman Imposter series uh, that just got, is going to get a fresh collection. I think tomorrow. Uh, and it's, you can also buy the issues digitally individually, but if you're a trade person, we're going to be reviewing that. That was, uh, written by the person that co-wrote the Batman movie that's coming out here with Matt Reeves, uh, the same writer. And it's a, maybe one of my favorite Batman stories, maybe top 10, which is saying a lot. There's a lot of good ones out there. And I, I think this one's pretty good. And, uh, I've got a great panel of people that we're going to, we're going to break this thing down, not spoil it too much. Cause I want people that don't read it, but yeah. We're gonna have a lot of a lot of fun. That's this Friday. It's gonna be about 8 p.m. So check that out if you're listening to this. And if you you know after after you're hearing this after it's already been done, good news is you can always go back and watch it. So yeah, it's gonna be a blast. Um, yeah, lots of great stuff. Other Batman episodes I've done recently too. Go check those out. So uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter also at Herman22 with two ends, aka P Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.